As has been noted in the Foreign Desk Explainer before, this year is going to be quite the planetary clamour of the Vox Populi. An extraordinary aligning of the world's election calendars will mean that perhaps half of humanity will cast a vote in 2024, including the citizens of such consequential behemoths as Pakistan, India, South Africa, Bangladesh, Iran, South Korea, Indonesia, Mexico, the United States, the European Union, probably the United Kingdom, and Russia, though in the latter instance it is likely that the votes have already been counted. Measured against all of which, it may be difficult for the passing observer to summon much interest in the recent general election in Tuvalu. If we measure these things by population, Tuvalu is the world's least significant democracy. Only one other nation-state on Earth is home to fewer people, the Vatican City, where the results of any election that was held would be even more foregone a conclusion than in Russia. Tuvalu's population of barely 11,000 people, it may seem, renders any election it cares to hold about as interesting in the global context as a mayoral contest in Ulladulla, New South Wales, though Ulladulla is actually maybe a little bigger population-wise than Tuvalu, and it doesn't really have a mayor as such, being overseen by the municipality of Shoalhaven, but we believe the point stands vis-à-vis Tuvalu's apparent obscurity. Oh, Just get on with it. However, and bear with us, there are a couple of good reasons to pay attention to this year's Tuvaluan election, one short term, one long term. We will get to both presently, but first, the result may be portended by some sort of drumroll. Actually, hold on a second, couple more items of pertinent preparatory information. There are no political parties in Tuvalu, so everybody who fancies occupying one of the 16 seats in Tuvalu's parliament stands as an independent. With such a small electorate, personal networks and connections are key. The incumbent Prime Minister prior to this most recent election, Corsia Natano, retained his seat at the 2019 election with 355 votes. OK, now let's have a drum roll. The headline of Tuvalu's 2024 election is that the 331 votes Natano won this time were insufficient to earn him another term. As Natano sets about identifying the 24 people he upset, Tuvalu's new parliament will have to elect another of their number to become the Prime Minister. And weirdly, given that Tuvalu's parliament wields power over less of humanity than, say, the town council of Thlandidno, their choice could have serious geostrategic ramifications. Flandidno, incidentally, is in North Wales and is a seaside resort with a slightly greater population than Tuvalu. Seems quite nice, has the United Kingdom's fifth longest pier, became vaguely famous during COVID-19 lockdowns for being beset by goats, which meandered down from the hills into the deserted streets and ate everybody's hedges. These have probably grown back by now.
The reason that Tuvalu's election may end up giving the geostrategic scheme of things a bit of a rattle is that Tuvalu, at least as of this broadcast, is one of a small and dwindling cohort of nations which maintains full diplomatic relations with Taiwan. Since China was admitted to the United Nations in 1971, the deal has generally been that a given country can exchange ambassadors with one or the other, but not both. The underlying issue being that China believes that Taiwan is merely a temporarily rogue province. Picking off Taiwan's diplomatic partners, thereby chipping away at Taiwan's legitimacy, has been a preoccupation of China for decades, undertaken with a mixture of coercion and cajolery. In the last decade and a bit, 11 countries have made the switch. The most recent, the Pacific Guano Atoll of Nauru, earlier this month. The list of countries which recognise Taiwan is now down to 12, mostly clustered in the Caribbean. While outgoing Tuvaluan Prime Minister Natanu was very much pro-Taiwan, his probable successor, Seve Plainyu, is believed keen on reviewing the arrangement. A switch of allegiances by Tuvalu for all that fewer people live there than in the Regent International Apartment Block in Hangzhou would be a triumph for China, a blow to Taiwan, and a vexation to the United States and Australia as competition for influence in the Pacific intensifies. Australia in particular has recently sought to embrace Tuvalu. In November, the two countries signed a bilateral agreement which, crucially to the diplomatic shenanigans which may be about to ensue, gives Australia an effective veto over any future security arrangements Tuvalu may wish to enter into with anybody else, not naming any names, but Australia was doubtless fretting about the deal recently done between China and the Solomon Islands, another Pacific country which recently turned from Taipei to Beijing. Its pact with China would allow Beijing to send police and military personnel to the nation, and China could also port some of its warships there. While all of the above is why Tuvalu's election may matter in the short term, it is the other side of its deal with Australia which demonstrates why Tuvalu's long-term prospects are important. Australia laid out a fast track to residency for a few hundred Tuvaluan citizens each year by way of recognising that all Tuvaluan politics and diplomacy may be rendered redundant if the the climate crisis languishes unaddressed. The most significant agreement between Australia and a Pacific Island nation ever. This partnership stands as a beacon of hope. Tuvalu's highest peak is 4.5 metres above sea level. On current trends, the entire country could be underwater by the end of this century. As our land disappears, we have no choice but to become the world's first digital nation. Only concerted global effort can ensure that Tuvalu does not move permanently online and disappear forever from the physical plane. It would be something to see China and the United States worrying slightly more about that. For Monocle Radio, I'm Andrew Muller.